Oh, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another edition of The Big Picture with Larry Raglan. I am your host, Larry Raglan. I tell you what, I couldn't be more excited about a broadcast than I am today. I have an unbelievable guest today that is just one of the greatest voices in America. He is Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, Dr. Brown is the founder and president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries and of Fire Ministry School. He's also the host of a daily nationally syndicated t- talk radio show called The Line of Fire. He also hosts TV shows on God TV, Me TV, which is in Israel and the Middle East, and he has preached throughout America and around the world. Uh, Dr. Brown is a national and international speaker on themes of spiritual renewal and cultural reformation. He has debated Jewish rabbis, agnostic professors, and gay activists on radio, TV, and college campuses. He's widely considered to be one of the world's foremost messianic Jewish apologists. He and his wife, Nancy, who is also a Jewish believer, are both messianic Jews. And he has just written a brand new book that we're going to talk about today that just released last week called The Silencing of the Lambs, The Ominous Rise of Cancel Culture and How We Can Overcome It. Without further ado, let me welcome to the show Dr. Michael Brown. Dr. Brown, welcome, welcome, welcome. Great to be with you, Larry. Thanks for having me. I tell you, it is one of my greatest honors ever in my brand new, uh, exciting uh, podcast and YouTube channel that I'm launching. And and when I thought about who in the world could I have on here because of where my mind is, of why God sort of pushed me to get out there at this point in my life and speak, you know, one of my inspirations, of course, was you because I listen uh, to Line of Fire uh, on a daily basis. I, I see how you're not afraid to get into any of the situations uh, that we're facing today and and boldly. And I just want to admire you and thank you for being a voice, Dr. Brown, in this day and time. Um, so, you know, you wrote this book that, that I just read. It's phenomenal. I read it as I was uh, flying out to Tulsa and coming back, The Silencing of the Lambs, The Ominous Rise of Cancel Culture, and How We Can Overcome It. Uh, Dr. Brown, what caused you, uh, because I know you've been dealing with this for a while, uh, to, to decide, you know, I'm going to have to write this book. I'm going to have to address this. You know, when you look at the letters of Paul in the New Testament, there were often issues that came up that he was forced to address. There was a doctrinal issue. There was a moral issue. There was confusion as to what he taught. So he had to address a particular issue. And in the providence of God, that's how we got many of the letters that we have that are part of the New Testament. In the same way, there are issues that rise to the surface in the church, in the world, that get to a critical mass. They become a, a real crisis. They become something that we can't ignore. And often that's, that's when I'll get burdened to address them because obviously there are a million things happening every day all around the world and, and we can't address all of them, nor are we called to. And my role is not to be the corrector in chief or the, the spiritual policeman, but there are things that, that become so prevalent, uh, so extreme that, that we must address them for the good of the body. And cancel culture is one of those things. We've been seeing for years the censoring of conservative Christian positions. We've been seeing for years a pushback in the culture where we who held to something that was once considered mainstream, now we're on the fringe, now we're demonized as hateful bigots, as intolerant. 
But the culture has shifted even further, mm. not just towards us, but towards others, into what's known as cancel culture, where, where you get canceled. We right. get deplatformed. Yes, sir. It's not just we don't like Pastor Larry's views and we're going to accuse him of being hateful and a bigot. But no, we're going to take away Pastor Larry's preaching ability. Wow. We're going to take away your platform. We're going to remove you from the internet. And it, it, it's really ugly. It, it devours itself. That's why in my book, The Silencing of the Lambs, I have many quotes from people on the left. Right. People who would normally be completely against our position, but they too are shouting out, something's wrong, something has to change. Yes, sir. I, that, that was one of the things I loved about the book is because, you know, you, you took away that element of them saying, well, this is a right-wing book and this is a religious book. I loved how you used the very ones that used to stand for a certain principle and almost really some of, some of the ones that were canceling others got canceled themselves, and, and all of a sudden it changed their mind about this old cancel culture thing. Because for a long time they denied that it even exists. But now you're hearing more and more voices on both sides of the aisle saying, this has got to stop. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got quotes from irreligious, atheistic people like liberal Bill Maher, yes. from the famous anti-Trump actor Alec Baldwin, from you know irreverent Jewish comedian Sarah Silverman, to, you know, songwriter, singer, Nick Cave. Right. You know, he said, cancel culture is mercy's antithesis. Oh, wow. The exact opposite of mercy. You know, the people that you associate with the world, like Miley Cyrus and Sharon Stone, and they're coming out against cancel culture because they realize there's no redemption in it. Yep. There's no second chance in it. There's no ability to, to be rehabbed in it. Yes, sir. And I might find something that you said 10 years ago in the midst of one message where you didn't phrase things right, and you never said it again. And you immediately said, oh, what did I say? Let me fix that. But now it comes up and, and, and you're now persona non grata. You're marginalized. So I had to address this. Yes, sir. But the book, of course, is not just dealing with the problem, but with how we overcome cancel culture. Well, yes, it is. And it, and it gives the uh, systematic way that we can do that. And I've often thought, whether it be cancel culture or whether it be uh, the deconstruction movement and all that, and even even the, the, the voice of uh, and the debate on gender and everything, is ultimately, you and I both know, ultimately it is an attack against God and against his creation and against absolute truth. And I, I, see, I, see, I see it's almost like an umbrella of... Of, of, of a cultural uh, dynamic that is, a, you know, attacking on every level. You know, I even think about this deconstruction movement. I know you talk about that in your book, and you talk a lot about it on your radio show. And, um, you know, and I, I see some voices rising up, you know, John Cooper from lead uh, singer from Skillet and all of this that are speaking against um, even the dangers of where that's going. What What is your opinion? On, do you feel like that that's just the natural progression from the cancel culture that's now spilled into the church? I think it's another stream, and it's it's another challenge in the society in which we live. Cancel culture is an extension of the censoring movement, the marginalizing movement. I began warning in 2004, as God burdened me, that gay activism would be the principal threat to freedom of religion, speech, yep. and conscience in America. And remember, Jesus told us, "Don't don't hide your lamp uh, under under a bushel." You got a candle, hold it up so everyone mm. can see. Yes, sir. Remember, he warned us about don't be ashamed of, of me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul proclaimed, I'm not ashamed. What does it mean? It means there, there's always a pressure against us to be to, to be quiet. Mm. There's always a pressure in the dark world not to shine our light. So while we have great compassion 
on, on those who identify as LGBT and want to reach them with the love of God. We resist the agenda. Yes, sir. The deconstruction movement is, is another stream at the same time that has other tributaries of uh, the internet and, and the rise of misinformation and disinformation. Right. And it can just spread. And now kids are being affected by it. The many scandals in the right. church, the rise of new atheism, the effective, uh, effective LGBT propaganda where we became the bad guys. A bunch of these things coming in together, best-selling books that are bashing the Bible. Mm. And suddenly we're getting hit with things that for the most part, Robert's pastor didn't have to deal with. Robert's Christian wasn't aware of. Right. Add to this the mm. the ubiquity of sin and sinful temptation through the internet wow. where anything is available to, to anybody. Look, when I was shooting heroin and using LSD at the age of 15 or 16, if I wanted to see porn, the only way I could do it is if if I had a friend yep. whose dad had a subscription to Playboy. Exactly. And none of my friends did that I knew of. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you have to stumble on it. You right. couldn't go to a porn movie theater. You were too young. You couldn't buy a magazine. Yep. Now an eight-year-old kid can accidentally stumble on it on a cell phone. Yes, sir. You know, things are just available. And so all the temptation, all the distraction, all the objections, all the misinformation, all the challenges, all hitting at once. And it's caused a lot of people to lose their bearings and lose their faith. Amen. And, and you know, as you know, some, some high-profile influencers in the church that at one time was, you know, speaking some somewhat sound doctrine has now moved into that. And uh, you're right, Dr. Brown, the, the ease of the temptation to, to see these things at such a young age, the innocence is gone. Once, once you see it, it's, you can't get that innocence back. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, I've been pastoring over 30 years now, and I pastor in the same church now for over 28 years, and I, you can only imagine uh, the digression. I start to say progression, but the digression of what we've seen as pastors, of what we used to counsel about, and how we used to the the effects of youth ministry and and different kinds of things. And you know, in your book, in chapter six of your book of silencing of the lambs, and I encourage you to get that book. And at the end of the broadcast, I'll show you exactly how you can get that book. Uh, you you call it. You talk about the all out assault on children, and you just mentioned that. Is that it is, um, you know, it is an epidemic of attack on our children, and I think most people know that the enemy that we're facing is is not man and is not even a government. It is a real devil, and he understands that if he can wrap his wrap the mind of a child or warp the the mind of a child young, it's very difficult to change that back. So, what what do you when, when you talk about that the all assault the all out assault on children? Uh, address that about how how serious is it? Because I think a lot of people that might be watching or listening to this podcast may not really be exposed to just how serious an attack against our children we're experiencing. Right. So we start with abortion. We start with killing more yes. than 60 million babies mm, my God. in the womb since Roe v. Wade. Uh, if you live in New York City, if you're an African-American baby, you have less than 50% chance of making it out of the womb after conception. Wow. This is yet another demonic attack on the African-American community yes, in, in my eyes. And of course, Planned Parenthood, they got a lot of clinics yep. in, in neighborhoods where there are going to be more abortions and often targeting African-American communities. Yes, oh, sir. that's doing them a service. No, it's not doing them a service. No. no. You get out of the womb, uh, there's so many broken homes now. Yes. There's so much divorce. You know, my wife, Nancy, we're... we're 
same age, 66, 67 years old. Her mom was married four times. Yeah. She was about the only one in her class that was from a divorced family. Yeah. Now it's just, it's just common. It's yes. just the norm. That's another attack on the kids. Then you add in the school curricula. Yes. Look, in, oh, wow. in Florida, they just passed a bill. It's being misrepresented by the media yes, as sir. the don't say gay bill. Mm -hmm. But it says kindergarten through third grade. We're not going to talk about certain subjects like uh, gender identity mm. or sexual orientation. And in point of fact, a, a five or six or seven or eight or nine-year-old kid, they have no understanding of the concept of sexual no, sir. orientation no, sir. whatsoever. And as far as gender identity, those that are genuinely confused and struggle and think they're trapped in the wrong body, if you don't cater to that, and just let them develop normally, yep. 80 or 90% will no longer feel that way yes. on the other side of puberty. Mm. The fact that there's a nationwide outcry wow. against this, just how far we've gone. Look, what's one of the new crazes, one of the new fads? Drag queens mm. reading to toddlers in libraries. Yep. And people bring their kids out. What, what kind of perversion yeah. and madness is Unbelievable. that? And, and on and on it goes, the, the, the programmatic attack. You get, you get something now called rapid onset gender dysphoria mm. for girls, especially about 15, 16 years old, especially if they're autistic, that they suddenly realize the reason I don't feel at home in my body, the reason I'm uncomfortable with my life is because I'm actually transgender. Wow. And, and you're getting girls as young as 13. Wow. Having complete complete mastectomies unbelievable and then when they're 18 19 they're saying what did i do what did i do yes sir mm. we're getting kids 10 years old put on hormone blockers to stop the onset of puberty they're getting sterilized for life wow. now they're 20 thinking what in the world did i do it's absolute madness what in the world and did the parent do they're getting exposed to porn at younger ages and, and now fentanyl, other drug things are just epidemic in the country. There's really an attack on kids and parents need to stand. Yes. And understand what's happening. Yes, sir. And, you know, you see the skyrocketing numbers of suicide attempts and, and coming out of what we've been through in the last two years, the uh, not being able to hang out with their friends and learn the way most kids and play outside. And then you couple that with all of what you just listed. I mean, our children are literally got the bullseye on them. They're the target of the enemy. And come on, parents, they're still our children. The parents have got to stand up. We've got, we are going to have to be the voices. Now, those children are going to, they're going to uh, grow up to be the next generation that will influence uh, our culture and so forth. But right now, we, we have the ability to make a difference. And that's what I love about your book, Dr. Brown, is it's not just, uh, listing and itemizing the things that have happened and the things that are hap that are happening current, but you give opportunities and and you explain what can we do to make a difference, and that's why I call this podcast the Big Picture, is because I want to make sure that that people's eyes are open to the big picture, that it's there's more going on than what you're seeing while you're scrolling through your phone or listening to a podcast or certainly watching uh, secular news. There is a big picture of a spiritual attack going on, but the big picture in your book is this is happening, but there are some things that we can do. There are ways that we can stand against this. 
Can you take a few moments and tell us a few things of what we can do to stand against this moment? Yes, absolutely. And Larry, what's interesting is when I was writing the book, I thought it would be like my book, Jezebel's War with America, which has the great majority of the book laying out the nature of the attack and what's going on in society from a very different angle than the silencing of the lambs. And then the last two chapters of the book dealt with what we can do in response. That's how I planned to write this. But as I was writing, I felt really stirred by the Lord Mm. to put in a whole lot more about what we can do to make a difference. So the second half of the book, and actually most of the chapters of the book are in the second half, they lay out what we can do. Yes. They lay out the positive changes that we can make. So it's for parents, it's for pastors, yes, sir. it's for educators, it's for students, it's for people across the board. You know, for example, there's a chapter about professors and it's, it's a call to practice kamikaze academics. Mm, mm, oh, I love that. Yes. That was not my expression, but a professor in Australia, he was a tenured professor respected in his field. He questioned some of the prevailing narrative about global warming Mm. based on scientific evidence. Come on. So there was an attempt to shut him down, to cancel him. He's actually had to fight this in court. And he said, look, I'm tenured. I can speak my mind and it's harder to get me out. Wow. But, But we have to practice kamikaze academics, meaning I'm going to speak the truth even if it costs me my job. Wow. We're going to stand up for what's right, even if it threatens my career. Otherwise, we violate what Jesus said, which was, if you save your life, you lose it. Yes, sir. If you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you find it. Uh, There's encouragement for the church to stand with Mm ex-gays, with those who have come out of homosexual practice or who no longer identify as transgender. It was hard enough for them to come out the first time as gay or trans, lose family, lose friends, whatever. Now they have to say, God has a better way. I see that I don't have to live like this. And you see, if you can change, Mm. if change is possible, that undermines the whole narrative of innate and immutable. That's good. And you can't change. It undermines the whole gay is the new black or trans is the new black Mm. narrative. So we have to stand with those who are ex-gay, ex-trans, wow. wherever they are in their journey, yes. weak or strong, and, and let our churches be refuges for them and places where they can come and find hope and solidarity. And together, we shout out their message. Mm. There's a call to all evangelists because nobody preaches more strongly, nobody shouts louder than an evangelist. Yes, sir. I heard Rush Limbaugh and Reagan they say the more they try to silence us, the louder we shout. Yeah. Well, evangelists shout best. Let the evangelists arise on yes. the streets of America. Mm. Let them equip the churches to shout out, we're not ashamed of Jesus. I even felt led by the Lord, as strange as it seemed, to proclaim a special day as not ashamed of Jesus' day. Come on. And encourage every believer at work, at school, in your neighborhood, let it be known that you're a follower of Jesus. Wow. If you can wear something, if you can add something to your uniform, if you can bring a Bible, if you can look for a way to share the gospel, because many of us uh, are at work and, and trying to be, you know, good conscientious workers, but hardly anybody knows we're believers. Absolutely. Or we kind of slip by under the radar. This is the encouragement to say, 
we're standing. Mm. This is the encouragement to say we're here. So we're going to be talking about a lot more. Uh, uh, you'll be hearing about it. You can help spread the word. We're going to need pastors in America to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. April 14th, mm. April 14th, because of Esther 414. Wow. Who knows if you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Whew. We're claiming it not ashamed of Jesus Day. And, and here's what's interesting. Mm. I absolutely did not have this in mind. I felt a drop in my heart. I prayed. It stayed there. I bounced it off the editors publishing the book. They loved it. I told my wife, Nancy, she didn't tell me you're crazy because she can, <laughs> she can smell something of the flesh pretty far away. Yes, sir. So she didn't just shoot it down. So <clears throat> I, 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 the scripture came to mind. I thought, okay, school's in session. It's, it's not spring break. <laughs> Good time to do it. Well, little did I realize that on some days of the year, for some years, it will be the exact same day as what's called the day of silence in schools that's been pushed by gay activists for years wow. where you would not speak in, in, in school. You would not talk to show your solidarity with the silencing of gays and lesbians. Of course, things have completely switched where the school systems as a whole, the secular school systems are super friendly to gay activists and unfriendly to Christian witness. In no way did I intend it. We only discovered it looking at it as a staff the other day, and I thought, look at that. Oh, my God. Let it be known. Very simple message. We love Jesus, and we love you. We're here, and we're not ashamed. We love Jesus, and we love you. And, and the thing that will be amazing is there will be big companies, and you wouldn't even know how many people are believers there. You realize, oh, we're here. We're not, we're not less than 1%. We're here. Wow. Let our voices be heard with love, with compassion, with wisdom. Let them be heard. That is phenomenal. April 14th, right? That's it. April That's 14. 14. You can count on me. You can count on this broadcast. You can count on Solid Rock Church. You can count on our people. We're going to we're going to pump that. That is awesome. What a tremendous, tremendous idea. Very easy to remember, y'all, because y'all all remember Tax Day. Hey, this is not ashamed of Jesus. Day before Tax Day. <laughs> That's it. That's, that is so That's awesome. It. Dr. Brown, that is, that is phenomenal. And, you know, while you were talking, I was thinking about um, – you know, the, the, the people, you know, there was this movement not long ago called, well, it was a little while ago called Silent Witness. You, I don't know if you remember that. There was a bunch of uh, entertainers. They made an album and all this, and they were talking about, you know, we have we're, we want to talk about the silent witness. In other words, what they were saying was, we're Christians in silent. We, we, we serve in the Lord in our house, but when we do what we do on, in our level of influence, we don't ever talk about Jesus, but we're going to make this album. We're going to sing about Jesus. I don't criticize them for doing that, but I remember as a pastor going, I don't see where that lines up with the Great Commission. It's very difficult for a believer to think that there's supposed to be a silent witness uh, because how's the world going to know it? And the Bible says, you know, how will they believe in what they have not heard? And how can they hear unless a preacher or a minister or a voice tells them? And I see, I see this dynamic happening where – you know, that was already difficult to witness, and now it's with with this cancel culture, with this uh, all that we're talking about, it's almost like we have mentally self-censored ourselves. And it's like even this medium that we're on right now, you know, we everybody that wants to be on this, need, you know, they know there's trigger words that you can't say because if you do, the algorithm will get you. And that was one of the things you talked about in your book is that, you know, the demonetization and all of this because you just – said one thing and sometimes didn't even say anything. You couldn't even figure out what it was going on. So it's created this mindset 
online to self-censor. And now I think we've got a generation of people that are afraid to share their faith at, uh, at, at their job or in their school, uh, afraid to tell anybody who they voted for and all this and talk about that. And uh, that's what I love about this idea not ashamed of Jesus day because we need something. We, something's got to happen to shake the body of Christ, to tell them, Hey, if we truly believe that we're at the end of this thing, this thing's winding down and we see something happening all around us, a worldwide, uh, effect of this, we need a worldwide revival. And the, the key to that is the voice of the evangelist that you just said. And the, the, there's the office of the evangelist, but there's an evangelistic push that should be in every believer. Am I right on that? Yeah, look, Paul writes to Timothy and says, do the work of an evangelist, mm. even though that wasn't his principal or primary calling. And when Jesus called his disciples, one of our grads pointed this out to me one day. He said, Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll make you apostles. Follow me and I'll make you pastors. Follow me and I'll make you uh, prophets. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Yes, sir. So one great faith leader a few generations back said the Savior of the world lives in us. So wow. we are his expression. The vast majority of people come to faith through the witness of a friend yes. or loved one or, or work colleague. And look, you know the reality, pastoring in a community for many, many years, the people know you. Yes, they sir. know you on the ground. Yes, They know when there's a crisis that that's a place they can go. They, they know when something's going on in the community that you've got people there. They know if they're struggling with addiction, things like that, you're there. So when they hear, oh, this guy's a bigot, they go, no, no, we know him. Right. We know the people in their church. They're good people. So it's on the ground. Mm. That, the way that we overcome the scandals of, of some of our Christian leaders and the deconstructing and, and leaving the faith of other Christian leaders, we overcome it by being who we are, where we live, yes, sir. in our community, touching people. And, and look, your, your kid, maybe they followed uh, some famous TV preacher and the TV preacher had a scandal. But they know you. They right. know dad. Yes, sir. They know mom. And they know you're true blue. So it comes down to us. I, I was meeting with about 25 leaders at a closed meeting in Texas last week. And after the first night, I went back to my room in prayer. And I just heard the spirit shouting uh, inside my heart. And, and to say it to these other leaders, the answer is inside of you. Wow. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So while we pray for, for revival, while we pray for outpouring, there's still the reality day by day, Jesus living in us. Yes. And look, you know, you've got, you've got students from University of Alabama there. You've got athletes. Let it spread on the college campuses. Yes. Because in some parts of America in particular, it's really bad. Yeah. My chapter in the Campus Thought Police, it's a shocker. I mean, you've got famous universities where the faculty – uh, the conservative to liberal is like 300 uh, liberal to one conservative wow. or even Democrat. To, there, there are some where the ratio of Democrat to Republican is 72 to zero to zero. Wow. Or 12 to one. And wow. I've got it all documented in the silencing of the lambs. Yes. So you picture you go down there as a young student, yep. you know, and the faculty is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-conservative beliefs. You're overwhelmed with that. Yes. You're intimidated by that. Others are, are shaped and moved. The, the faculty is much more to the left than the society as a whole. But let it, let it spread. You realize, well, therefore, the kids in my class that are believers. Well, there, there's 100 people on my campus that are believers, and they're all wearing these Not Ashamed of Jesus shirts. So they're bringing a Bible with them. Mm. And then it breaks you out. It's like, oh, you're one of those believers. It's, you're out. You're out of the closet now. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's overcome 
difference of culture by speaking the truth in love. Awesome. Well, I think what I'm hearing is this end time revival that we're part of. I, I talk a lot about the remnant. I believe there is a remnant that is rising, and, and it is a grassroots, on the ground, in the community, in the college, in the school, on the workplace revival. It is not going to be ignited and, and explode from social media or from even television. Thank God for all of them. But what we got to have is on-the-ground revival. And, Dr. Brown, you are you are leading us in that direction. I tell you right now, I love your program. So many things that I've had questions about. I've got answers on it. Uh, I can't tell you how much you are a blessing to me and to the world. Um, and so, so, Dr. Brown, tell us uh, real quick, and I'll also have a little segment at the end, where if someone wants to get this book, they feel like it feels hopeless. They're like, what can I do? It just feels like there's nothing I can do. This, the, they've got the power. I've got no power. I want to get a hold of this book. Where can they go to get a copy of this book? So if it's not at your local Christian bookstore, then it at my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Make sure you sign up for our free newsletter while you're there, and, and we'll, we'll be pumping out great stuff to you every week. So askdrbrown.org, or so there's a beautiful hardcover. If you'd rather get the ebook or an audio book, you can do that on Amazon or the other major online booksellers. So amazon.com, I think the ebook is on sale this week, so check it out. Uh, I'm actually listening to the audiobook because by the time a book comes out, I've been working on other projects. So this way I, it refreshes me mm. of, of the content. So I'm being jarred afresh. <laughs> That's awesome. In there as, as I listen to someone else reading it. So That's those awesome. are the places to get it. Make sure that when you're at askdrbrown.org, sign up for the newsletter and connect with us on social media. And, and also I encourage everyone, look for Ask Dr. Brown on your podcast app, YouTube app, subscribe to that podcast. I'm telling you the things that he tackles, no one else is tackling, and I appreciate it. Dr. Brown, uh, you are a blessing to us when you were at Solid Rock Church, and you have been a blessing to me today to take out a time of your busy schedule. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. I speak blessings on you, brother. Keep those books coming out because us that are on the ground, that's our textbooks. We got to know what to do, and you are a voice to tell us what to do, and uh, we're going to get you in Birmingham real soon. Let's do it, man. God bless. Keep up the great work. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Uh, have a great evening, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. God bless. God bless. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for once again joining The Big Picture. This is a broadcast, YouTube and podcast, where we are trying to open your eyes to The Big Picture. There's no greater guest to have on to help us see The Big Picture and our guest that we just had, Dr. Michael Brown. What a blessing and what an honor it is to have him, one of America's leading voices. You need to get a copy of his brand new book called The Silencing of the Lambs, dealing with cancel culture, dealing with all the stuff that's going on while we're trying to stand strong for Christ. You can go to his website, askdrbrown.org. You can search, search for him on YouTube and his podcast. And it is an incredible podcast. I listen to it every single day. So make sure you do that. Make sure you come right back here. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up button. Share. And get ready for the next broadcast because it's going to keep getting powerful, more powerful and more powerful as we go, y'all. I ain't playing. I'm new at this. Don't know what I'm doing. I'm having fun. And I am not scared. I'm going to say what I want to say. See you next time on The Big Picture. I'm Larry Raglan. Peace out.